0: During the 1990s, I worked for a fairly popular magazine. We asked our readers to send in stories of their strangest or scariest experiences. This letter was handwritten on several sheets of paper with a photocopy of a man's face on the reverse of each of the pages. See, it was a bad time in my life. My fiancé had left me and I lost my job, both over completely separate issues, but both had been caused in part at least by my poor judgment. It took a long time to find another job, and I had to sell my car. When I did find a new job, it was a very early shift, so I had to take the first bus of the morning to get there on time. I'd always been a late riser, so it was difficult to adjust to the early start. I was slowly paying off my debts and hoped to get a new car in a few months. There weren't usually many people on the bus, and I soon got to know the regular passengers. A little bit. Not really friends, but we'd say hi and sometimes have a short chat. One day, I was getting ready for work and about to make a quick breakfast when the phone rang. I was pushed for time, so I decided to let the answering machine get it. When I heard my ex's voice saying my name, though, I quickly grabbed the phone. I'd left her several messages over the last few months to apologize, and just ask to chat. In my last message, I told her I wouldn't bother her again, but hoped that she'd want to talk eventually. I probably hadn't worded it very well. I've never been good with words, and I often beat myself up about how clingy and desperate I must have sounded in those messages. But hearing her voice, though, well, I felt a little hope. She was the first real hope that i felt in a long time. Don't go to work today, she told me as soon as I picked up the phone. Sometimes, on her days off, she'd beg me to call in sick and spend the day home with her. Sometimes I even had. Hearing her say that, my heart leapt. I playfully asked her why, expecting her to respond as she had when things had been good between us, but instead, she started crying. I tried to console her to ask what was wrong, but she just sobbed for several minutes. Eventually, she repeated her plea. Don't go to work today and very serious and worried this time. I asked her again, why not? All she said was, there's a dozen reasons. Just don't go. Confused and worried, I tried to get more out of her. She just went quiet. I could hear her breathing and sniffling, but she didn't say another word. Frustrated, I began to get more impatient with her, asking her what was wrong, why she was calling me like this, but she didn't say anything else. And Feeling hurt, I hung up the phone and made her run for my bus. I arrived to an empty bus shelter, knowing I was late, but with a half an hour until the next bus was due. Now My home was only a few minutes' walk away, so I went back to get some toast and coffee instead of waiting in the cold. When I got home... I noticed the small kitchen window was open a little, and on closer inspection, was slightly at an angle. The hinge had bent, causing it not to shut properly the last time I'd used it. It was easily far too small for anyone to fit through, so I didn't worry about it much, and just made a mental note to have it repaired. Finished my toast, I had more than enough time to reach my bus, so Feeling like a fool, I decided to phone my ex and try to talk to her about her earlier call. Her housemate answered and told me that she'd gone to visit her sister for a week, but that she had been meaning to give me a call, so she must have done so from there. She wasn't sure about giving me her sister's number though, so she said she'd phone her and ask if it was okay to do so or to ask for her to phone me back. I checked the time and realized I had to get going for my bus, so I asked her to pass along a message to phone me at work in a few hours, giving me enough time to get there and make up for being late. I caught the bus without incident and arrived at work 20 minutes late. My usual bus got me to work between 20 to 30 minutes early. Traffic was heavier on the later bus, and I usually got some work done before my shift was supposed to start so my boss wasn't too badly bothered by me being late. He had been more than worried that something might have happened to me, since I hadn't thought to call in earlier. Feeling like a complete idiot, I apologized and told him that I had a very distracting call from my ex, and I hadn't been thinking clearly. I got stuck into my work and the morning passed quickly and uneventfully. During my lunch break, I received a confused call from my ex, who told me, she hadn't phoned me at all. She didn't even have my number with her, and she'd had to ask her housemate to find her for her so that she could call me. I really wanted to make things right with her, but I didn't like her playing games like this and messing around with me, so I asked her to stop, to just talk to me properly instead. She swore blind that she hadn't called and suggested that maybe it had been someone else who had sounded similar over the phone. Now, I have to admit that the caller had never actually said who it was, but I was so certain it was her voice. When I mentioned that the answering machine had initially picked up, she reminded me that would mean the conversation would have been taped anyway, as my answering machine wouldn't have stopped recording when I picked up. We talked a little bit more, Part of me was still sure it had been her on the phone and that she was playing some kind of trick, but she seemed so genuine and we had such a good talk about old times that I really wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. I finished the afternoon's work and I took the bus home, determined to have a careful listen to the tape and see if maybe in my tired and hurried state that I'd made a mistake with the voice. So I got home and saw that the small kitchen window was now wide open. I tried to close it, but it wouldn't budge. Both hinges were now badly bent. It wouldn't move at all. I was more angry than worried. It was too small of a window for even a child to fit through, and there was nothing within arm's reach. I checked the other windows and the doors just to be sure, and all were locked and undamaged. I figure it was probably some kids skipping school had noticed the damage window and engaged in a little vandalism for fun. I phoned the local police to report the damage, and they of course asked if anything had been taken. Even though I assured them nobody could have gotten in, they told me to check any valuables anyway, just to be sure. I didn't have much of value, so it didn't take me long to check. I returned to the phone and told the officer that indeed, nothing had been taken. He told me that someone would be over to look at the damage and check for prints, but to keep my expectations on the vandal being caught reasonable and see if my insurance would cover the repairs. It wasn't until I put the phone down that I noticed that the tape deck on the answering machine was empty, now I'm thinking, Did my ex still have a key? I mean, she couldn't possibly have come in and took the tape just to cover up her call. Could she? If she was really visiting her sister, she was far too far away to have had time to make the trip and take it anyway. Could she have convinced her housemate to lie about the trip? Besides, I clearly remember her returning my key when we broke up. She wouldn't have had a copy cut and kept it. Why would she do all of this, just to avoid admitting the phone call? See, none of it made any sense, but it seemed clear that she must have taken the tape after our conversation at lunch, when she remembered it was recorded. Maybe she then broke in the window to cover the fact that she'd use a key to get in. But it didn't make any sense either. Why not make one of the larger windows look forced, so it would be more convincing. I mean, hell, why even do any of this at all? It was completely out of character for her, even without taking into account all the other things that didn't add up. So the police officer arrived a little later to take a look at the window and agreed that nobody could have possibly gotten inside through there. I told him about the answering machine tape and about having a strange call that my ex denied making on the tape, but that I was mostly sure that she wouldn't have broken in to take it. He seemed it was unlikely, but he'd heard of seemingly rational people doing stranger things before, and that they'd look into it, just in case. He checked around the window for prints, but didn't find anything, not even smudges. He checked around the inside and outside of the house and concluded that nothing else appeared to have been tampered with. He also checked the answering machine for prints and found only one usable print, which later turned out to be my own. I mean, he was friendly the entire time, and we did talk a bit. He made a point of reassuring me that my home was safe, but told me not to hesitate to call if I had any reason to worry. A couple of hours after he'd left, I received a call from him. His mood clearly was very different. The friendliness was gone, and he was straight to business. He told me that he'd confirmed that my ex was indeed visiting her sister and couldn't have taken the tape. He said it was most likely kids who had broken the window, and asked if I was certain that there had been a tape in the answering machine that morning, and perhaps that I'd taken it out at some point, and forgotten to put it in. I was indeed sure, I never left the tape out. Once I listened to the messages and made a note of anything from them, I always rewound the tape and let it record over them. I couldn't remember ever having taken the tape out. I wanted to talk more about it, ask if the housemate had an alibi, or if he was sure my ex hadn't somehow managed the trip in time. But I could tell he wasn't interested anymore, so I didn't bother. Later, on the evening news, there was a story of a man's body having been found nearby. I realized that the body had been found in the time between the policeman's visit and his later phone call. that probably explained his change in attitude. They didn't give many details on the news that night, but they clearly believed it to be a murder and warned people to be careful and report anything suspicious. So, the next day, on the bus to work, I was surprised to see the same police officer board a couple of stops past my own. He talked to the driver quietly for a while who then pointed to all the regular passengers. Recognizing me, he came to talk to me first. He showed me a picture of one of the other regulars and asked me if I'd seen him yesterday. I explained how I missed the bus and I hadn't seen him, and so he made a note in his book and moved on to the other passengers. After he had a short and quiet talk to each of the other regulars, all three of them left the bus with him and I saw them walking down the street together as we drove away. The rest of the day passed uneventfully. The short interruption of the bus journey hadn't been enough to make me late, and I'd been too distracted to talk to anyone on our breaks at work. When I got home, I put the news on to see if there were any more updates, and I immediately saw a picture of the man the police officer had shown me a photograph of. The news reporter said that more of the details of the vicious crime had been revealed. A witness had seen the man get off of the bus with another man behind him, and they both headed off in the same direction. This was the last time anyone had seen him alive, and happened shortly before the estimated time of death. Witnesses from the bus had described the same man as having been on the bus, sitting at the back and that while they had both left the bus at the same time, they hadn't been together, but that the victim had rang the bell to signal for the next bus stop, and that the other man had gotten up to disembark when he did. Police believe that the man got on the bus to pick a random victim and followed him from the bus stop, and once they were out of the sight of witnesses, he stabbed the man 12 times. Now, that was one of our readers' stories that they sent to the magazine I was working at at the time. Unfortunately, the writer hadn't included the requested permission for our magazine to print his letter, nor did it include a phone number. The address wasn't far away, though, and both myself and my editor were keen to print the letter, so my editor decided that he'd make a quick visit to get signed permission. The quick visit took a couple hours, and when my editor returned, he was disappointed and said that the letter was a bust. The man at the address denied having sent any such letter, and, after reading it, said that although it did look like his handwriting, he never had any experiences like what was described, and certainly hadn't written the letter, so he couldn't possibly give permission to publish it. My editor was upset over having his time wasted by what looked like an odd joke, but decided to check if any similar crime had it even occurred. Surprisingly, the murder described in the letter turned out to be very similar, but far more detailed than the accounts of a recent murder in the nearby town. We took the letter to the police and told them our story. At first, They didn't really seem interested, but asked us to wait. Shortly afterwards, a much more serious looking officer asked to talk to us separately, and we were led to different interview rooms. I was asked to talk about the letter, how and why I'd received it, what I knew about the writer and about the murder described. I was asked the same questions several times, in different orders and amongst other questions, and every time I answered as fully and as best as I could. Eventually, the officer confirmed that the murder description was accurate, but that some of the details in the letter had been kept out of the press. He then showed me a sketch that their artist had drawn only that morning from witness descriptions. It was identical to the sketch on the back of the letter's pages. Now I'm certain... I'd never seen the man in the drawing before, but I've seen him since. Several weeks ago, I saw him in the street, and I struggled to remember where I had seen him before. And later, when I remembered, I dug out the old letter, and indeed, it was the very same face. I contacted the police, but they told me that he had been identified and interviewed many years ago. And dismissed as a suspect. I asked about the case and they told me that it was still unsolved. But they couldn't say any more about it. And this morning. I saw him again. He got on my bus. And chose the seat behind me. Only a few stops later. He followed a man off the bus. I probably should have done something. Said something. But instead I froze and watched him continue to follow the passenger as the bus pulled away.